welcome back to In the Limelight. I am so excited today because we are chatting with Anne, um, a fellow limey who is seeking the silver liming. <laughs> I think that's so clever. Anne recently stepped up to the plate and took over regional director um, of the Berks County Lime Support Group, and she is doing wonderful things to help people with Lyme and people cope with Lyme. So I think that this will be an amazing story. And Anne is doing really well, knock wood. So I think this story should give a lot of you hope. So thank you so much to Anne for joining us and I hope you enjoy. Hi guys, today we have Anne on from Pennsylvania. She is amazing. She just started the Berks County Lyme Support Group and is very influential in our Lyme community. Sadly, she has a story very similar to many of us, um, but I will kind of let her talk through that and we'll discuss. Hi, Anne. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, how are you? I'm so excited to be here with you and to be able to talk about things that are important to us. <laughs> Me too. I know it's like, like you said kind of before, it's like very relieving just to be able to talk like freely about it because normally you say like, oh, I have Lyme disease, and people are like, oh, that's great. Like, you know, like, when will you get better? And in reality, there's, like, no, there's no, like, definite answer to that ever. So, like, talking to someone else with it, you can kind of talk about, like, all the nitty-gritty stuff. Exactly, and you get it, so. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, So I know you had a long path diagnosis, much like many of us. Like, I know for me, it took about two years to eventually get diagnosed, um, which I've talked to talked about on here before, but I kind of thought maybe you could just kind of start by telling your story. You sent some of it over to me in an email, and we'll kind of just discuss from there. And people listening in, um, if you have any questions, feel free to comment or tweet them at Ann or I, and I will link our twitters in the comments. Yay! <laughs> so. I know you said that you kind of started having extreme fatigue about seven years ago, and it was like the worst fatigue you've ever felt. Um, and you saw your doctor, and they tested you for like a bunch of different things. Yes, yes. Um, I guess really that is pretty much what struck me with the problems beginning is just that fatigue. And it was pretty much crippling. And I'm not used to being a tired person. I'm pretty much a, a doer, a go-getter. And yeah. for that feeling to hit me that hard, it was like, no, this is terrible. So yeah. I started complaining to people. My friend was like, oh, you're just a little bear that needs to hibernate. And oh I was like, gosh. no, no, I'm not a little bear that wants to hibernate at all. That's not what's happening. So I started to go to the different doctors and apnea runs in my family. So I thought, well, let's think about that because the fatigue would hit me in the afternoons too like I could tell in the morning if I was going to have a good day or a bad day by how the numbness was in my face but the fatigue would usually slam me mid-afternoon and googling tells you of course that's maybe sleep apnea so I started there and I was negative for apnea but they held me for the daytime nap study which makes me laugh because you have five naps that you take for 20 minutes and a time and for three of those I went into REM within the first five minutes, which apparently is not normal, but I kind of think I've always been a good sleeper. Yeah. So I don't know if that's just how my, how I am. But after that, then they told me I had narcolepsy. So they gave me ProVigil, which is a stimulant to help people on ship sleep disorders. 
So I kept thinking, all right, well, when does this start to make me feel better? Yeah. It cost me a thousand bucks. I would hope that I'd start to feel better soon. So I asked the doctor, he said, you should have felt better right away. What do you mean you don't feel any better? So I went off of that because I figured it was just speeding up my body and aging me quicker. And then I went to get allergy testing done because I also had some hives that were occurring. And I look back now in my research of Lyme and supposedly hives may be part of the symptoms. So maybe that's all related to the Lyme. But getting the allergy testing done, nothing came back that was abnormal for me. It was just mold, dust, mites, and mice maybe, or cats. And I, stuff that I already knew that I would be allergic to. Okay. So then I went to the regular doctor. Um, a couple of things came back slightly off. My white blood cell count at the time was a little bit elevated, but I had just recently had a cold, so they thought maybe that was that's accounted for that. And then I also had a higher thyroid thyroid reading, but they checked that with a specialist, and he said no big deal. It was nothing to worry about. That's okay, fine. That's so then so... I go. I got a lot of other blood work done. Everything looked normal. Um, and I really wasn't sure kind of what to do with that. Then they started to tell me I was too stressed or and or depressed, which I knew I was becoming depressed because of the fatigue, but it because wasn't. You feel horrible, and it's not like, yeah, I mean, so many parts of like, like to go back to your thyroid thing. Um, I It's funny because my Lyme literate doctor caught that I have, like an issue with my thyroid but I see a thyroid specialist and if you ask him he swears that like nothing's wrong with it and I feel like not like it's I don't mean this in a negative way I just don't think traditional MDs are like trained obviously to look for Lyme we know they're not but they just kind of want to fit you in like one box so like oh you're depressed or like oh you have narcolepsy but they don't look at like I mean, Lyme can have over 100 symptoms. They don't look at all of these things as, like, a collective issue. They look at them as, like, separate issues. Yeah. So. That's a struggle. It is. It's such a struggle. And I, you know, my primary care doctor said the same thing to me when I first started to look for answers. Like, oh, you're depressed. You're working too hard. You're too stressed. You need to stop working so much because I own my own business. And I was like, okay, I know that it's just not this you know I know it's not depression I know it's not stress like it has to be something deeper (laughs) exactly there is something wrong with my physical being it is not my mind it is not anything it's just something physically very wrong with my body and that's that's what I kept saying was something is very off inside of me um it's not stress even though I changed a ton of things in my life I changed my job I tried to sell my house Thankfully, that fell through, and I still have my home. Um, I started to meditate. I changed my diet. I changed my birth control. I changed my nutritional intake. I changed pretty much anything I could think of that might affect my physical being within my power, and nothing mattered. Became a vegetarian for a while. No caffeine. Like, I was down to... You did anything. Yeah, like I'm listening to other podcasts on health, and the one lady was talking about electromagnetic frequencies, mm. and she's like, so you just stand on a piece of tinfoil, and that will help to dissipate them, and I, I'm like, okay, maybe that's what it is, because also my symptoms, other than the fatigue, I started to have some neurological symptoms like memory loss or 
hard times getting words to come out right without yeah. stuttering. Um, so I'm thinking for sure that I have a brain tumor halfway through, you know, like I even went, I thought maybe I had HIV cause I was having night sweats. I was having insomnia, which I never, like, I don't, I'm not a problem sleeper. I had the fatigue and then you put those symptoms in in Google and it's like, Oh, you probably have this. And I was like, Oh, good God. So then I went, I got tested for that. I don't have it. Thankfully, you know, um, but I tried really everything to think about what could be wrong. And I even asked my dad at one point, he's a retired emergency room doctor at this point, but at the time he was still practicing. And I said, dad, doesn't anyone come to see you that's complaining about being so tired all the time? Yeah. He said, you know, sweetie, I, I no, not really. And, you know, it's like, what? Do I, I mean, he looked at my blood work. We went through everything. He didn't see anything weird either. But I said to him, Dad, you know, if I have to live like this for the rest of my life, I'm probably going to end it sooner than it needs to be done because I don't want to live like this anymore. Yeah. Like, I just felt so crappy and I was so tired and I just couldn't understand. And I told my aunt since, but at that time, too, I told her about it because I'm very close with her. And she said, you know, sweetie, when I was in my 30s, I went through a time when I was super tired all the time. Granted, she had three kids at that time too, but um, that might explain some of that. <laughs> but she said, you know, it'll it'll go away. And, and that's something that I truly held on to in terms of hope that maybe it was just something genetic that my family experiences around the age I was and that it would just go away. And I just kept telling myself one day when I wake up, it's going to be gone. Mm-hmm. But like, I even found a list of goals that I wrote down for myself back when I was, I think, 32. I'm 39 now. Um, and one of them was to figure out what that tired feeling was. And it made me cry when I found that a few months ago just because I finally had figured out why I felt like that, you know. Yeah. So it's unfortunate it took that long. But after going to the doctors for maybe three or four years, I just gave up and I just kept it inside I didn't talk to people about it I was sort of um, maybe embarrassed because I looked totally fine and how do you really explain to people that there's something very very wrong with you when every doctor that you see says that there is nothing wrong with you yeah um so you know it's very lonely too and I I live alone so there was many days that I would come home from work and I at the time had a super stressful job I was working easily 10 to 12 hours a day like pedal to the metal working hard and I would come home and just sit on my couch I didn't even have the energy to cry but I mean I canceled cable I couldn't follow the plot line on a tv show I couldn't read a book I couldn't remember what I was reading I keep having to reread the same thing over and over and it was just very frustrating and the lack of energy then I didn't want to go out with my friends because I felt so poopy and you know, that's just a very sad place to be. So yeah, I pray for us all that none of us have to go through that anymore. So, um, you know. Yeah, I think that's why we're doing what we're doing is to try to make a difference. And I think it's going to get to a point, and it already is, where there's so many people that are sick with Lyme. <clears throat> and eventually, I mean, not just like the CDC, but in in general doctors are going to have to take notice and like admit and like come to terms with the fact that like this needs to be addressed because it's just it really is an epidemic I mean it's just out of control and 
I think as hard as like getting a Lyme diagnosis is it's like almost a sigh of relief to like get an official diagnosis and be like oh my gosh I'm not crazy exactly (laughs) so many medical professionals and like people have told you you're crazy so yeah exactly right um because that's what like towards the end of my my struggle before I had a diagnosis I got diagnosed officially in August of 2017 but I started to have way more funky symptoms like that numbness in my face then extended through my whole body I started to lose the hearing in my left ear I had two random heart fluttering episodes I could walk my dog for four miles a day that was then reduced to maybe four blocks if I was lucky and I was getting super duper dizzy all the time um I couldn't make my arms straight anymore like it was just getting to the point of I, I had to go back to a doctor so I asked for some recommendations on Facebook for an Eastern-minded doctor, and I was recommended to the place that I wound up going. And thankfully, that lady, she listened to every word that I had to say. I mean, I was crying after she looked in my ear and couldn't see any reason why my hearing would be gone. I thought for sure it was a tumor pressing in from the inside out. Like Before I even went to that doctor appointment, I told my mom and dad that I was pretty sure I had a brain tumor and that I loved them. (laughs) I would let them know what the outcome was. Um, but yeah, she even gave me an EKG and I know that's not the end all be all, but it made me feel at least better that my heart was healthy. Um, and then gratefully, you know, she, I demanded that I was going to be tested for a million different things because by now I've had six or seven years to research what could possibly be wrong. And, um, she's like, well, we'll just start here. Let's look at these things first. And I was leaving to go away on vacation. That was a Wednesday. I went to the doctor. I was leaving for vacation that Friday, and they had called me that morning to tell me what it was. And I, again, like what you say, it was a little bit of a relief because I was like, oh, okay, finally, like I know what it, this is. This is great. But then it's like, oh, crap, it's not yeah. necessary. So it's such a great thing because how do you get this out of your body now? Because yeah. um, you just don't realize at first, or at least I didn't, you know, how long exactly. it was going to take and everything it entails. Did you, like prior to her testing you for Lyme, had it, had like you ever come across that in re- your research or did it ever like cross your mind that that's what it could be? Many times. And I am, uh, I, I struggle, I guess, with myself in just, why did I, why was I so stubborn in a sense for so long? Mm-hmm. But I like I should have I should have listened to myself sooner, but I didn't, and so I just kept pushing through. And you know, it just I'm just so thankful that they figured out. And it was one of the bands that the CDC actually tests for that my that that it, I didn't have to go spend sixty five hundred dollars or whatever to find out wow. really what it is. Um, you know, and that that was a good moment but they gave me doxy right away and I said how soon till I feel better with this yeah. you know and she's like oh no you should feel better right away I was like okay I've heard this before but whatever yeah. so I started taking it and truly probably within the first 24 hours I started to feel a lot better oh, wow. uh, and then for that first three weeks I was prescribed doxy for five weeks and the first three weeks I was like man I'm like normal again thank you god I just sit on my couch and cry because I just was so ecstatic to feel normal yeah Uh, and then week four 
I don't know if I was herxing. I don't know. I know that's the last life cycle too. I don't know what was going on, but I started to feel terrible again. So I called the doctor and I was like, I can't go off this medicine next week. There's not a chance I'm healthy enough. Please, can you give me more meds? And they thought about it for a little while. And eventually they said, okay, we'll give you three more weeks. So that was eight weeks. And then when I went off two, within two days, I was out to dinner with some friends and I was like, what are we talking about again? I wasn't sure. I was lost in the conversation. I was like, oh, come on. No, like, I don't want to feel like this anymore. I can't go back. So I called the doctor. They wanted blood work again, which I did do. And I was at this point now non-reactive to the band that I initially was reactive to. So I guess that encouraged me that my body was at least going in the right direction. But they did give me an additional six weeks of doxy. So that took me up to about Thanksgiving. And I was terrified to go off because I wanted to at least enjoy my Thanksgiving but as soon as I went off, I think probably actually three or four days before I stopped the doxy, I started my herbal treatments. And I've been just taking those now. So it's been almost three months that I've been just doing herbal alone. And I feel pretty normal most days. If I go too hard or I don't get eight hours of sleep or something wonky like that with my schedule, I'll pay for it dearly. But um, I have felt... 90% normal like my quality of life is just completely opposite of what it used to be and I'm so thankful for that um, well, I'm so I'm like so happy to hear that and that I'm sure it gives like listeners a lot of hope but like even just me it gives me a lot of hope that like at some point I'll have like some sense of like a new normal yeah because um, I'm certainly not there yet but I've like I've been in treatment for about a year and we like mostly pulse antibiotics and I'm still like herxing and going through all of that but I hope at some point it like switches over and I feel better (laughs) um well what like besides so did you notice like any significant changes from switching from doxy to herbal uh no no, uh, I was totally scared to go off because I had gotten so weird the last time I went off the meds, but then it pretty much stayed the same. Um, like I said, some days I still feel it. I can feel a little bit in my face today, um, but that fatigue is generally gone. Um, sometimes every maybe 10 days or something, I'll feel that, but it's so much better than what it was before. And I think the herbs, I don't know if it's peace of mind, I don't know, but my, my head is a lot clearer too. Oh, wow. I mean, I've changed so many other things. So this to me is just a tool in my kit of what I'm doing to control this disease. You know, I've also changed my nutrition a lot. So I'm doing my best to avoid gluten, dairy, and sugar. Okay. Um, I've not by not consciously, but since I started on my doxy too, I have dropped about 20 to 25 pounds. So I know they say that being thinner is better for Lyme. Um, I've been doing my best to detox, like sweating. I just started Bikram yoga. So I that there is light at the end of the tunnel that you will have energy to go do things like this again, that you will want to do this that your body will heal enough to do that and that's the point that I'm at is just I feel so much stronger and so much better and I just keep detoxing I do cleanses um you know I do meditate every day as well still there's a lot of things that I 
find that influence me from so many directions on my stress level, on my nutrition, on the toxins, on, you know, all those things play into how I feel. I don't drink alcohol very much anymore. That will impact me tremendously. Um, but you just learn as you go different triggers that you have, different things that are going to make you not feel so good. It's so. almost like getting back in tune with your body just in like a totally different way. And it's like, like you said, like I also totally changed my diet. I don't do gluten, dairy, soy, corn, or sugar. And like I notice an immediate, I don't even know if it's Lyme symptoms or if I just feel like crappy now when I have one of those things. Um, yes. But you notice that immediate change. And it's funny because when I first went off of those things I was like oh I can't wait until I meet these things again now like I tell my husband and like my mom and stuff who's like a great cook and we cook together all the time like that I would never go back to eating any of those four or five things just because I really do think it makes such a big difference and like all the little things for Lyme really add up tremendously and just even for regular people nutrition is so important you know you, you limit your inflammation and that's where disease or dis-ease thrives is in that inflammation so when you avoid those things that helps that a lot um just on just, the most basic level i mean like soy and corn for example are like the two most genetically modified foods you can eat like stuff like that where it's just like we shouldn't really be consuming in any way but it's just so normalized in our Western culture. Like people just don't even realize how bad it is for you. Amen. <laughs> I'm like my, my friends and like must think I'm like a psychopath. Cause I talk about it all the time and I like read tons of books on it. And like, cause once you start, you like can't stop, you know, it's like, you've never heard about it before. You have no idea. And then all of a sudden this whole new, like a world is opened up. <laughs> yes. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I watched a good documentary, Forks Over Knives. That's just okay. one of many, but that talks about the China study and just the different regions of China that they looked at to see what food types and cancers were associated with that. And for the most part, they have a high vegetable, low meat diet where we're pretty much the exact opposite, opposite of that in our country. And it's just interesting to think about even with the meat, the animal the proteins from animals, the casein, when your level goes above, I think, a seven, it's like an on switch for cancer and disease. And when it's under a four, basically, in the same exact mouse that they tested it on, the cancer got shut off and and went away. Wow. And to me, that stuff is insane. Like, you're start, starting to really look at different things and how easily, in a sense, you could control some of your what's going to happen to you as a, a person on Earth. Yeah, you know, it is crazy once you, like, look into it and realize what you can do to give yourself kind of a better, longer life. Um, yep. So I know, like, a lot of people with Lyme have trouble, like, navigating how to discuss it with their, like, family and friends because it's not, you know, there's some diseases um, or illnesses you tell someone you have and they go, oh, I'm so sorry. And then you tell someone you have Lyme and they're like, oh, that's great, at least it's, like, only Lyme, and you're like, well, if you only knew. Um, so how did you, like, go about telling your family and friends? Like, did they innately understand, or was it something you kind of had to, like, explain and educate them on? Uh, definitely something that I had to educate them on, which is cool. I mean, they're, we're from Pennsylvania. I grew up in the woods. My mom was always very mindful of us. My dad, again, being a doctor, he 
saw people with Lyme disease. Um, but again, it's pretty controversial. It's like, is it chronic? Does it continue on? You're supposed to just take three weeks of antibiotics and be cured. And, yeah. you know, there's that whole stereotype to kind of break down just within my own medical background family because there's a lot of doctors in my family. But I feel that they're very open to it, that they're very supportive of me. I just tell them, I try to explain to them what I feel. But it's really hard to explain that feeling sometimes to people who've never experienced it. But they understand and they're very respectful of me. And my parents, I think, sometimes struggle maybe a little bit just to understand it. And I know my mom is very afraid that I won't ever be healthy again. Um, so that's hard sometimes because you don't want your loved ones to worry about you like that. Like, I'll be fine, you know, and I know that I'm a fighter and I know that I'll make it, but they're sad sometimes too and just trying to reassure them that you're okay and the best thing that they can do for you is just to be there and to love you the way that you are and accept you um most people are very kind to me about it when I tell them I find actually sometimes it's a fun exercise when people are a little grouchy pants and I love people and I try to to figure out what makes them tick in a sense and to bond with them and I can almost use it as a tool to break down people when they're very defensive on the outward side then I tell them I have it I share my story you know the next thing with friends and they feel a lot better and it's it's a good thing that I've turned around I feel like to make it a blessing to share with people what's wrong with me Mm -hmm. so that they understand and also in talking to more people about it I've helped some people say oh maybe that's what's wrong with me because I've been feeling like that for a really long time and tell me what your symptoms were again because I I I have a lot of those so there's those times too when you talk to people and you really start to explain to them what is this disease that you know that really does help them truly like my one friend was diagnosed and treated and she feels so much better so there is that gift that we can give as well from it but you know, I just, at this point, I am very open and honest with people. It feels a lot better to talk to them about it than it did to not tell people that there was something wrong with me and just to live with it alone. That's a really not a good place to be. No, not at all. And I think a lot of people are kind of stuck in that place at first until they get, I guess, more comfortable in their own skin or more comfortable with what we have um, and feel confident like in explaining it so I think that's so important and I think that you help people to see that that is for sure Um, I also just I have to laugh too because sometimes when I tell people they're like oh I'm so sorry for you or they'll complain about something and they'll look at me and they're like oh but you have it way worse you have this disease for life and I'm thinking to myself I don't know about that actually I feel like I'm a lot healthier than you like (laughs) I look at some people sometimes and I I really do think through this whole illness like I've come out much healthier than a lot of people who don't have it Um, making the changes we make and I agree with you (laughs) um so are there any things that like you found really helpful or that you feel like you could share that like other newly diagnosed Lymies need to know like any tips or tricks or recommendations or like I noticed you said that like you started meditating every day 
Yeah. Um, I, again, I think it's been more of a journey to just balance what's going on with me physically, but I mean, meditation definitely helps. I found Twitter is an amazing tool. I have met people such as yourself through it. I thought about it when I was trying to decide if I wanted to let another social media avenue into my life. I think of them as time sucks in a sense, but I was like looking at it more for work purposes. And then I started to just go on there and I would see so much about Lyme and I, I just felt so much more empowered. So that's sort of become my Lyme world. Yeah. Uh, it's a Twitter platform and just keeping up with what's happening and the new panel that they put together in December and being able to yeah. sign against that guy who had the financial ties. And, oh you know, God. that stuff is just a great thing to know about. And I've met people in Canada and England. I've got friends now all over just through Twitter. And I find that to be invaluable for people with Lyme to learn about things. Um, Unlocking Lyme, that was a kick butt book. Uh, Dr. Rawls. If you're familiar with Bill Rawls, he has um, put that book out, I guess, last year. And that really encouraged me to go more on the homeopathic route of long-term treatment for myself and just a lot of other research that I've read. But his book was particularly um, digestible to me in, in the format that he presents his information. I'll have to check uh, that out. And I will, for listeners, I will link that below. Um I think that would be so helpful and now I'm going to go order it if it's like on Amazon or something I read um, Dr. Horowitz's book How Can I Get Better which was just like informational wise really helpful because it like explained things and like gave me little like kind of like tips and stuff on like what you should do like when you're herxing and like you know stuff like that so you can never read enough about it no, like lemon water. That's another thing that I use a lot of. Just, yeah. um, I put a picture on my Twitter feed at one point about organizing the supplements because I feel like in talking amongst other limeys that that's something that we struggle with is to organize ourselves clearly enough to know what we're supposed to do to get better. Yeah. So um, I have my stuff lined out very simply and I put a number on top for how many times a day I need to take that particular supplement and that helps me just stay on top of that and keep organized um other little tips that i've learned i guess just to to be be hopeful and have hope for yourself that you're gonna get better you know people buy into what the doctor says oh you'll never get better or oh this is gonna no don't don't accept that either you stand up for yourself you be your best advocate you you keep fighting because that's the most important thing truly is that you have that power and strength inside of you no matter what happens outside of your world I like to think I live in a pink bubble and that's a bubble of love and happiness and only the good comes in the bad can't get to me in my own space like that and I think that's just something that you just have to to know yourself enough that you can you can get better pull yourself up you just gotta fight through and keep going I completely agree we always have to have hope you can never give up and I just feel like if we give up then like who's gonna fight for like better treatment and like a better and a cure and you know we like we have to make a difference for the next generation no matter what it is if it's just emotional impact on social media for their people whether it's fundraising whether it's if you have a sciencey brain and you can do research like god bless you but (laughs) um i was talking to a girl that's helping with this global lime alliance event i'm putting together in chicago in april and she 
got, she was in PR, got diagnosed with Lyme and still has it and is like doing better, but like still not great. And she wound up going back to school to become a doctor. So she can become like a Lyme literate doctor. So she like has Lyme and she's going to Loyola in Chicago and is like, I'm going to make a huge difference. And I just thought that was like such an amazing story that somebody like, obviously we have it where that moved by it, but that you can also like put your mind to that because obviously like you know how hard it is to have brain fog and like with neurological issues so I just think that's so amazing shout out Laura Um, yes definitely shout out Laura never met you but but we're shouting you out (laughs) go get them save us I know please help find a cure (laughs) fingers no pressure Laura no pressure (laughs) no pressure um no seriously no pressure Um, so this is like kind of like a silly random question but like do you ever cheat on your diet um well yes I am a human being for sure I do what's your Um, go-to cheat if you're gonna cheat on your diet like what is like 100% worth it chocolate yes okay I agree with you I cannot stop eating it it's terrible and I'm like stop it you don't need this but I really like it and if peanut butter cup or Reese's peanut butter cup every now and again too I can't resist it you know mine I think would have to be like french fries like which isn't even really like there's nothing in them that I shouldn't have but I just feel like it's not great for my body but I love salty like super salty french fries yes they are good now I'm trying to substitute sweet potato fries for regular fries now those are tasty too you can't really go wrong with either no, anything fried. Who are we kidding? Anything fried is delicious. <laughs> I pay the price. <laughs> I know, I know. Yes, especially because that's the thing. Once you get your body into a good state, when you put food like that in there, forget about it. Yeah, you're not a like, happy ending. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so my last question for you was, I know we chatted about this a little bit at the beginning, but I know you recently start, started or took over, I'm not sure which one, the support group um, for Limeys in Pennsylvania. So do you have any advice for like other people listening that maybe would want to start their own support group and bring people together or like any words of wisdom? Most definitely. Um, I felt very compelled now that I'm well enough to help others. So I started to research Berks County because if I understand correctly, we are one of the highest rates of infection in the country, and I would almost surmise the world. And I started to look around. I have a lot of friends here that have it. One of my friends almost died. He lost the ability to swallow from one of the co-infections. It was horrible and scary. And one of my other friends, like, just obviously lots of a struggle. So I, no support groups were in this area. I started to look then at surrounding counties to see what they were doing because I figured, worst case, I could at least drive you know, to an hour away, no problem to see what they were doing. And that's when I came across the PA Lyme Resource Network. And that is my parent organization. So I reached out to them just to see, you know, how I would go about doing that here, if they could share with me what they did so I didn't have to go about recreating the wheel. And they actually have, I believe, 15 other groups in the state of Pennsylvania under them. So I could use... Um, their 501c3 I could use their insurance their liability so for me basically then it was just finding a location uh, which I'm grateful my uncle is a pastor at a church here locally that I was able to have it there and um, I guess what basically final location was it 
what else did I need to do? Well, I'm going to start doing press release soon and everything because my first meeting will be March 21st at Atonement Lutheran and YMSing from 6 to 8 p.m. Yay, coming uh, up. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty cool. But they have taken me in and under their wing and basically I've been able to talk to other regional leaders and see, you know, their experiences and learn from them. The PA Lime Resource Network, they'll be there with me my first meeting to help guide me through that. I'm not totally sure what kind of a turnout to expect, but, um, you know, I would think probably 50 to a hundred people okay. and then we're going to air, um, under your skin, documentary and then but basically the format for moving forward would be I'm trying to just find different people in our area that are either Lyme literate or have good experience with it just to come and educate more answer questions me I would like to just be a resource to connect people to better health practitioners or uh, better tips things like this that I've kind of learned along the way I have some friends that are willing to help me to do this which is nice I'm not going by myself I got some teammates and just do the best that we can to bring awareness to our area to again give us more greater sense of solidarity to help educate the doctors that's something else that we're working on doing so there's a conference coming up I believe it's actually the same weekend as yours in April the 6th to the 7th that they're having with ILADS here in Hershey, Pennsylvania, that would be good for continuing education credits for doctors to attend. But I'm working with my local medical community to get more people going to that um, just so that they're aware. And if someone like me walks in, because lo and behold, I the guy that originally I went to see for allergy testing, he's a PA. And then after this many years, after being on my antibiotics again for that long, I got perioral dermatitis, which is this thing that you get around your mouth. Um, so I went to the dermatologist, and lo and behold, the, the guy that walks in is the PA from the other place that I had oh gone gosh. to. And I told him what had finally happened, and he was pretty horrified because his wife is an infectious disease doctor, and you know that they themselves can be sort of controversial, but I think he's pretty familiar with Lyme, and I think yeah. he felt really bad that he didn't catch that at the time when I was initially complaining to him about all of my symptoms. And God bless him, he meant me no harm. He, lo- you know, he's a loving yeah. person. But if he had known more clearly about the symptoms or understood more, maybe he could have helped me sooner. So if I can start helping to spread the word and shorten someone else's time of not being diagnosed properly, I, I'm happy to do that. And that's really what I'm striving for. Uh, I like chills right now. That's like, I think the most important thing is like trying to educate others and doctors and medical professionals. And like you said, if we can at least help one other person, like get a correct diagnosis sooner, like it's all, it's all kind of worth it in some weird twisted way. That's right. Um, And of course, like I know I'm here in Chicago, but if there's like anything I can ever help you with, I'm like more than willing to like help with whatever you need. So Thank you from the bottom of my heart and vice versa. And to anybody out there who is listening and suffering, don't do it alone. I'm sure that you, I could maybe speak for you too, but we're here to help. And if, if people out there need answers to questions or whatever, I'll do my best to guide them to get the right information for themselves. Um, and I will put all the information for your support group meeting up um, in the 
like comment section of the podcast on the GLA site. So if anyone's listening from the East Coast, hopefully they can attend and help spread the word. Thank you. And I would like to still try to figure out a way for us to work together too. Um, I would love that. to unite our fronts because it, in a sense we're doing it already. Yeah, no, we but it's just it's a very good thing that you have strong people in place, and God has given us this disease for a reason. Whether we choose to see it in a positive light or negative is up to us. And I choose to look at this as a positive. I feel you're choosing to do the same thing as more of an empowerment than a deficit for who we are as people. I, so I think people truly get brought together and connected for a reason. And I certainly think we were connected for a reason. So I'm excited to, I think we're already starting to see what that reason is, but who knows exactly. what kind of impact we'll make in the future. Leaders go first. That's what my friend Mandy tells me. Leaders go first. And that's what we're not I'm trying to it. say like we're leaders, but we go first to save the rest later. And that's, you had touched on that before. And that's pretty much, I don't look at it like that, but if yeah. that's something that motivates others to go first to do this for everyone else, then so be it. It's worth it then. Yes. Um, is there anything that we didn't touch on that you would like to talk about? I don't think so. Just to reiterate for people listening, please keep hope. Please talk to others. Don't go to really dark places in your head alone. It doesn't have to be like that at all. And whether you're getting understanding out of your immediate group of peers and family or not, it's okay. There are others of us out there, and you just have to maybe look a little bit harder. Not that we want anything harder when we have this disease, but Twitter, again, has been a great tool to link up with other limeys, and then you don't feel so crazy. You feel okay. I... I get this. Other people feel like this, too. I'm not alone. So that would just be the really underlying message I want to, to convey is you're not alone. Keep going one foot after the other, one day at a time. It's all about incremental small wins. I think that's really all we can hope for with a disease like Lyme is it's really difficult when you're in it to see the improvements. My mom says that to me all the time because I'll get really frustrated about something, but She's like, you have to think back to like a year ago when you couldn't get out of bed, you know? Yes. Yes. So. That's actually a very good reminder too. So I tell friends that to track your progress, even just do a basic number system, one through 10. Today I'm feeling 10. I'm awesome. feeling great. Tomorrow maybe I only feel like a six, but to map your progress because it is hard to measure when you're living it every day. But the more higher numbers that you see more frequently, then you know, okay, this is turning around for me. And I'm, I can visually see then a result, like how I track myself. So that's been something I do to kind of encourage along as well. Thank you so much for listening to my conversation with Anne today. All of the information for Anne's support group in Pennsylvania is in the um, accompanying bio that you can find on the Global Lyme Alliance blog. I hope that you guys will tune in again soon. We have another really good patient story coming up in the next few weeks. I'm sorry for the gap between um, our last one in February and now in April, but as you know, we have ups and downs with this illness, and sometimes it makes it impossible to do certain things. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. As always, you can ask me questions at Allie T. Moresco, and I will link that in the comments, um, but I will see you next time. Bye.